fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile We're back. What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Rose Street, RoseStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Here now for the fifth time, thrilled to bring back Mr. RJ Ochoa. He covers all things Dallas Cowboys as the editor-in-chief of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys. He hosts the Ocho and SB Nation NFL show. And we're just thrilled we have him on so much because his Cowboys coverage is always incredible. What's going on, RJ? How are you, man? I'm doing well, dude. It's great to be with you. I think the third year in a row we're doing this, so it's a nice yearly tradition. Anytime I see your face, I know football's around the corner, which is really exciting. Exactly. I know. And you, you are a fantasy player, too, yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, I Actually, this season dialed it back a little just because I was spread too thin, um, and I think every fantasy player hits that point because you're just saying oh, yes yeah. to everything. Um, so and I, it's just it's been a long time. My league of record, this is our 12th year. Um, I've won it twice. There's no three-time champ yet, and I just I've come too close, and I I know that I'm just missing um, missing some time, missing some focus. So really excited about that. I'm gonna ask you for advice on what I should do uh, with my keeper situation later, uh, and excited oh, yeah. to get your opinion. Absolutely, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have uh, for sure, no doubt about it. Because you're about to crush, as we said at the beginning, all our Cowboys questions here for you. What a great team! Now before we get in there, if anybody out there is willing to give this a thumbs up a like to help us get out to more people, a share, retweet, all that good stuff. Helps us get more questions, more eyeballs on this. It's just so greatly appreciated. So thank you for considering doing that for us. But why don't we dig right in, RJ? And the, the Cowboys are very intriguing this year because they're going to be hard knocks. So have you noticed any impact? Has this had any impact on the training camp this year, how players are approached, how the media is treated? Is there any difference at all going on right now with hard knocks? You know, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, I think that that might be the case for other teams, you know, in the last couple of years, certainly like the the Browns, they were on hard knocks. And, um, but you know, even then, like, you know, Baker, it was Baker's, you know, first year. She's, you know, anytime the number one overall picks in camp, you're going to get a lot of attention. There are, there's always so much attention on the Cowboys that it just feels so normal. Um, and that's why I'm honestly excited to see what, what Hard Knocks is choosing, what they think is worth profiling. Um, I think, you know, some people, some skeptics might say, you know, on Sunday, you and I were talking on Monday, uh, but on Sunday after practice, Dak Prescott, who isn't throwing right now due to the muscle strain, but uh, ran some sprints by himself uh, mm -hmm. on the practice field. Uh, it was very reminiscent of J.J. Watt on Hard Knocks when he uh, took the dummy off to the corner under the lone streetlight or whatever. So may maybe, you know, maybe if you believe that, uh, maybe it might have been done for Hard Knocks. But, um, but other, I mean, as far as practice and, and football-related things are concerned, everything really does feel normal, thankfully. Well, let's talk about that man of the hour you were just hitting at, and that's Dak, Dak Prescott. Obviously, there's a different injury concerns, all that. But, man, last year he was averaging 371 passing yards per start, pacing out to nearly 6,000 yards on the season had he stayed healthy. The offense posted 17, 40, 31, 39, and 37 points in his first five weeks, so 32.8 per game. Insane. Would have led the NFL and his 27.8 fantasy points per game was the most in fantasy last year. So obviously this guy blew up. What do you think kind of led to this explosion in 2020? And if he's healthy, do you expect it to be more of the same next year? I think Dak really took a step offensively in 2019. And we saw that. We certainly saw it early on. I think the first three games of that season, he didn't have an incompletion in the third quarter. Uh, just that was There was a lot of things. Kellen Moore is offensive coordinator. John Kitna was his quarterback's coach. There was just a lot of things mechanically for him that started to kind of click and work. Uh, it was his first full season with Amari Cooper, so you can you know, certainly throw that in the mix. Michael Gallup took a step as a second-year player. I mean, a lot of stars aligning, no pun intended. Um, last year, specifically, their defense was so bad, and, and obviously those are really advantageous situations from a fantasy perspective. Get get the elite quarterback who can throw and put up a bunch of stats, whose defense is awful. Uh, I think you know the game against Seattle they played was just kind of Dak and Russ going back and forth, and you know a lot of people have talked about you know how 
you know, he was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards and 50 whatever touchdowns. I don't think that would have sustained itself. I, I, I do think there would have been some regression to the mean. I think things would have stabilized. And so um, I think that in terms of Dak's talent and, and who he is and how he can lead the Cowboys to wins, I certainly think he's taken a step forward. I certainly think he's more than ready to do that again in 2021. But I do think that their defense is better just because it's hard, as my dog agrees, not to be that bad again. And so I do think that overall their team will be very different in terms of not being in those situations every week. I got you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember there was for a while in DFS, I think those first five weeks, the winning quarterback and the millionaire maker was either Dak himself or whoever was facing the Cowboys. It was just insane how those back and forth battles were happening. So if the defense does improve, that would give them less cause to just completely huck uh, as they have. Do you think it is justified that he's going top six, though, among fantasy quarterbacks? Do you still think he'll have some of those explosive days, even if the defense does step up a bit? So give me a minute. The FedEx truck is here. Um, and uh, that's what my dog is super protective. Sorry about that. No uh, worries. I'll take, we got six questions already. Why don't you go uh, do what you got to do? I'll answer some questions. The, the, uh, keep my eye out for you. the truck is, is passing by, but I think that, we see this every year, um, and like I think last year we saw Lamar Jackson get really overdrafted. We, we every year now you see Patrick Mahomes get overdrafted, and those players are obviously really special. I just don't want to pay that price. And as great as Dak, Dak was such a great value last year because of where he was going, and I think that you know that's happened. I think a lot of people have caught up to that, though. I would not pay that price. I do see one of the my fantasy league mates in this chat, by the way. So uh, Noah, uh, you are not allowed to take anything I'm saying and use it in a month when we have our draft. Uh, but I, I would not draft him in the top six just because I, I don't want to pay that price for Dak myself. I gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good to know Dak will be the comeback player of the year. Not a doubt in my mind, he says. So he's, he's coming in here, trying to pick your brain as much as he can. I love that. That's, that's the one thing that's always tough about running a fantasy blog is because all your picks get out there for everybody. And I do an auction league too. So all the prices continue to get jacked up on the guys I'm going after. Uh, but the other thing with Dak that I did want to make sure to hit is we got this shoulder injury. He hasn't been practicing, as you said, at the top. He's been doing some sprints, perhaps for the cameras, perhaps for himself. Who really knows uh, what it is? Should we be worried about this shoulder injury? What are your thoughts on it? So first of all, my dog has settled down. So thanks again yes. for powering through it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what package we got, but it better be worth it. Uh, so <laughs> I, I mean... I'm not worried about it, honestly. In fact, I'm a little encouraged that Dak is mindful of that. And I think that that's something that translates into his fantasy relevance. When he had the press conference where he celebrated his new contract, because that's something that, like, you know, we've been talking Dak so much at Blogging the Boys and doing different podcasts and things like that. And it's, nobody has even brought up that he got paid this offseason. That, that does feel like something that's forgotten. But when that happened, he mentioned how he – will be a little bit more mindful about things because he realizes the financial commitment that the Cowboys have made to him. And so, you know, Dak got injured trying to pick up a first down with his legs. And Dak hasn't always or really ever been the most dynamic mobile quarterback in terms of fantasy relevance. He's certainly more valuable than, you know, a Matthew Stafford or, you know, kind of more traditional pocket quarterbacks. But um, I do think that that element to his game will be dialed back. And I think that what he's dealing with right now is sort of emblematic of that. He mentioned that he just didn't feel right and he didn't want to make something small turn into something serious. And so I think that that overall disposition will be reflected in how he acts and not how he plays and that he'll be timid or anything like that. But I do think that he'll be a little bit more cognizant of where he is and how he is and operating in a way that keeps himself viable for the team so that they can win every week which is obviously something they struggled at last season. Absolutely. And we'll close out Dak's conversation here with his line for 2021. 4,795 and a half yards and 32 and a half TDs. You're hitting the over, the under, you're mixing it up for these. What are your thoughts? That's tough. Um, I mean, you know, that's a lot of yards. And, and I'm really, this is going to be such an interesting fantasy season. And I'm, I'm sure it's been really interesting for you to kind of put projections together because of the 17th game. Yeah. And I mean, in the Cowboys specifically, uh, I believe they play four NFC East games over their final six weeks. And so they're not, you know, as bad as this division is, it's not like they can really wrap it up you know, in early December, they're going to have to play, you know, 16 full games, maybe even that 17th full game to ultimately win the NFC title if they want to. I still don't think that I, I would take the under on yards and touchdowns probably just because, wow. you know, 
I, I, and I don't think their defense is going to be great, but I think it's going to be better. And I think that they, they don't want to play that way. That's not a sustain. It's a fun way for fantasy. It's great for daily. Um, but you know, Mike McCarthy is, is on record as not wanting to run the ball or establish the run, but, but wanting to be balanced. And, and I think that that's, that's a key. Um, it's so hard to just have a quarterback throw 50 times week in and week out and, and win over and over and over again. So I don't think the Cowboys want to do that. I do think that Dak will have some great games. I think he'll have, have you know a week where he throws for 320 and four touchdowns and maybe has an extra rushing touchdown and maybe wins you your daily league that week but um i don't think it's going to be this big time thing i i think that you know the smart bet there is the under but because of the cowboys everybody leans over and everybody looks at his wide receivers and everybody says well they can all go for a thousand yards sure they totally can but the I think what people don't realize is the right things or rather the wrong things have to happen for you to have 3000 yard yeah. receivers. You you got to be trailing in games. You got to be in shootouts. I mean, it's got to be a situation that lends itself to that happening. And I just don't think that the football of it all happens that way for the Cowboys this year. Uh, well, as fantasy fans, I, I hate to say it to you Cowboys fans looking out there. I hope your defense continues to suck because it was so much fun week in and week out seeing those shootouts, but it does make total sense if they did. I mean, wasn't it every single draft pick or at least the first like five or six went to defense, right? It was the first six. And actually the first time in Dallas Cowboys franchise history that they spent wow. their first six picks on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah. And and they also changed coordinators. Uh, really all the primary free agents they brought in, they did bring in a swing tackle, but I mean, everything was done to address the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so, and, and even if they hadn't, even if they hadn't done that, I mean, you know, there is regression to the mean in the NFL. Like, yeah. anybody that's really bad or really great at one thing in one season, they do regress to the mean just because it's so hard to be either be that great or that bad. And so even just like, like we've said so often this off season, we we've joked like, well, they won't be that bad because it would be impossible to be that bad again. And, but some of that's true. I mean, some of it really is true. Um, and plus their schedule is really advantageous from a defensive standpoint. It, and it, that's the thing. Like I think people can, you know, maybe play smart against their, their league mates. It starts off rough for the Cowboys. They play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. They play the Chargers and Justin Herbert. But after that, it settles down. I mean, it really doesn't get bad until the week before Thanksgiving when they play the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And so, um, you know, maybe I'd, I think it might I wouldn't like stash the Cowboys defense, but I could, I could, there are stretches where I think you could ride them out, especially near the end of the season when they're playing nothing but NFC East teams. Interesting. 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 For sure. You don't think of the Cowboys with defense these days, but that all these moves were made. So potentially that will, that'll hinder Dak uh, more than I think a lot of people are expecting, but you did mention they want some more balance. And of course the, the main culprit or the main guy that would be helping them establish that would be Zeke. He's the running back three in fantasy during those five games with Dak. Uh, averaging over 22 fancy points per game, but then that dropped a whopping 10 points. It's pretty obvious why we saw that offense take a huge hit. Without Dak, he was just the running back 26 over that span. But Dak should be back. There's picks of Zeke also looking pretty ripped up these days. So what do you expect for Zeke coming into this season? Do you think he picks up where he began last year as that running back three? Uh, or should we be worried about Pollard? What are your thoughts for Zeke in 2021? I wouldn't be worried about Pollard. I do think that Tony will be involved, and I think that the Cowboys want him involved, not necessarily as a traditional running back, but just in the offense generally. Um, I I do in no way buy that Zeke is RB three. Um, you know, I think that. I don't think, and, and fantasy or not, I don't think Zeke's a top five running back in the NFL right now. I think he's he's certainly a, a good running back. Um, I think where a lot of Cowboys fans have frustration is, is due to his contract because he's paid like the best running back in the NFL. Right. And so when you pay somebody that, but you get, you know, RB6, RB7 production, you feel like you're getting ripped off, even though you've got one of the better running backs in the NFL. I mean, fantasy or normal football otherwise, I would take. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, you can I, Saquon Barkley if healthy. I mean, you can make a lot of arguments. Obviously, health you know factors into who you want to draft and where you you know how comfortable you are risking things. I and in that weird sense, I think that Zeke is kind of undervalued. I mean, I I don't think he's RB three. But I think just kind of conventional wisdom, I do think that normal people, you can correct me if I'm wrong, would take all those players above Zeke. I think that there is this national consensus that Zeke is washed or Zeke is, is past his prime. The Cowboys have overpaid. And I mean, in that sense, he is a little bit undervalued. Yeah. So in that sense, you you said you expect Pollard to be involved a little bit, but not like hugely detrimental. That's the main argument I see against Zeke. A lot of people recognize this offense is significantly better with Dak. Let's erase that second half of the season and assume he can uh, pick up where he left off. 
do you think Pollard comes in a lot for receiving work? Like, how do you see these two balancing out and mixing in? Because PPR points are obviously so crucial these days. What what are your thoughts on Pollard's role then? So uh, again, it's my wife is busy. It's you know how working from home is. Uh, my dog's name is Bear, so he gets really pissed off, and we're not talking about the Bears. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> You know, the Cal- last year after the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb, the conversation was all about 11 personnel. Just just play out of 11. Don't even get out of it. But things have really changed in the sense that, you know, the Cowboys lost Blake Jarwin in week one last year before the game even ended. I think he only played 21 snaps before he got hurt. Um, so they now know they have two viable tight ends. So they're going to play 12 personnel. And 12 personnel is obviously we've, we've got to take Michael Gallup off the field. So already you're making things a little bit more difficult for yourself. I have a hard time imagining the Cowboys playing playing, you know, some sort of personnel where they get both Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard on the field because they love their wide receivers. And I can't imagine them doing that with regularity to the point that they really, you know, that, that Pollard would be viable. I think Pollard is absolutely worth stashing. Um, Zeke Elliott missed a game due to injury for the first time in his NFL career last year. He's got a lot of touches on him over the course of five years. I do think, though, that there is also I think people look at Tony Pollard and they say, well, you know, if he got a chance to run behind that offensive line, he would be great. And I think that, you know, I think with the Cowboys specifically, I think a lot of non-Cowboys fans, people that root for other teams, lean on these these storylines or these ideas that, they, that the Cowboys have had encircling them for a few years. So I think that there are a lot of people who still believe the Cowboys have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I think they have a really good offensive line. I think it might be a top 10 offensive line, but it is not what your, you know, average football fan who roots for the, you know, the New York Giants thinks and, and just sees on national talk shows or whatever. It has struggled and it, it really, really struggled last year. And it will it will bounce back because Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are healthy. But even with them healthy, it is very different to the point that you can't just rely on, oh, Tony Pollard, like Darren McFadden in 2015 picked up a thousand yards behind that offensive line because it was amazing. It isn't that situation anymore where Tony Pollard, I think, does offer some usage in fantasy, especially in PPR leagues, is out of the backfield. The Cowboys have really never utilized their running backs that way, but they are focusing a little bit more on it this season. Absolutely, yeah. So intriguing to see. Do, do you think Pollard's involvement will come at the expense of Zeke, or will Zeke still see some receiving work himself? I, I have to imagine that they want to dial Zeke's workload back. I, I don't think they want Zeke to touch the ball 300 times. And I don't know that they want to run the ball that much together, but I do know that they want Tony Pollard more involved. And so, mm. I mean, if you're going to bet on Tony Pollard at, at any point in Tony's NFL career, this is the year to do it. It is still, though, such an unknown. I mean, in the five years that Zeke Elliott's been on the Cowboys, it has truly absolutely been the Zeke show in 2018 they only carried two running backs I mean just because I mean it is literally has always been about Zeke and that's been the way they've wanted to operate for so long but the combination of all the wear and tear on Zeke the combination of the offensive identity changing the combination of Dak Prescott assimilating himself into the offense becoming a better passer the combination of Kellen Moore getting more involved and obviously being a little bit more of a visionary than than Jason Garrett at least and Scott Linehan I think lends itself to the idea that Tony Pollard can be a a more useful tool and they realize that they realize that he is very useful he offers a skill set that most people on their roster do not but at the end of the day, a touch for Tony Pollard is one less touch for Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb or in their eyes, Zeke Elliott or whatever the case may be. But with a, a situation where they don't want to run Dak Prescott as much, I could see I could see that opportunity being there. I think he's worth a flyer. But I mean, depending on the range, you have to get him. Um, you know what I rather have. I mean, if we're talking RB2s, I'd rather have Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, That's obviously, um, I, I mean, I'd rather have, um, you know, I, I don't know. I would have if with even before Cam Akers got hurt, I think I would have rather had Daryl Henderson. I mean, than Tony Pollard, just because I I haven't seen the Cowboys lean on that kind of run game before to believe that Tony Pollard is viable in the world of fantasy. Absolutely. Handcuff only. It sounds like for him, maybe a handful of snaps, but not enough to carve out consistent workload. Hopefully not taking away too, too much from Zeke who's going top seven or so in fantasy drafts right now. What do you think of his stat line from Vegas? Uh, 1100 and a half yards and nine and a half TDs you going over or under on those you know I I will take the over honestly on on both because I think that near the goal line I think the Cowboys will get shy especially early on in the season because of Dak I don't think they you know you know how that goes any team that's dealing with with scar tissue from the year before no no pun intended I mean they're gonna I think the Cowboys are gonna want to punch it in with Zeke and keep everybody safe and healthy and and you know get their money's worth when it comes to their top running back and when it comes to yardage and 
again, I, that's why I think this season so interesting when you're adding in a 17th game. Zeke had the worst year of his NFL career last year from, from you know, just about every notable metric. He had 979 yards, and he missed a game. I mean, so 970 yards in 15 games, and he was really bad. Um, yeah. And the offense was really bad, and the offensive line was really bad. And so 1,100 yards is a lot. But that is kind of just par for the course for Zeke. And I, I think it will it will kind of come as a surprise. Like, I think we'll be in the middle of, you know, like kind of around Christmas time, be like, man, Zeke's already at like 1,068 yards. You know what I mean? And, and it will just kind of be like, it doesn't feel that way. And that sometimes happens with players. 1,000 yards is no longer like a really impressive thing, I feel like. Um, so I, I, I definitely feel like the, I'll take the over on Zeke. And, and I think that that's a bit of, like, I wouldn't have expected that six months ago, but that's kind of where we are. Absolutely. And before we move off of Zeke, is there any credence to that? I mean, the pictures, he looks great. Is that translating on the field as well? Does he look any quicker or faster because he's now all ripped up? It's so hard to tell how, how you know, how a run game looks in training camp because, you know, it's it's hard to tell anything, but he does look in shape and that's notable. And a lot of people have wondered why. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but you could delve into the fact that, you know, for the first time ever in his NFL career, the Cowboys could cut him. I mean, at a at not the most gargantuan loss next year. Um, also, in this is something you know people have talked about for a few years. But in high school, I think Zeke lost like two games, like his whole high school career. I think he lost two games at Ohio State uh, the entire run, and obviously won a national championship. And so, you know, early on before last year, he'd always been somewhat competitive with the Cowboys. They had missed the playoffs, obviously, but they were always in the mix. Last year was the first time that they were like a joke. I mean, and and I think the first time ever in his life that he's been part of something that has been a joke. And he was a really big punchline of it. He had six fumbles. And so it does seem like for whatever reason, he took this offseason much more seriously than he ever had. Uh, a friend of mine that I do a podcast with uh, on the SB Nation NFL show actually pointed out to me, I hadn't realized, in off seasons where Zeke has been a full participant, he's been great. In 2016, obviously, normal off season as a rookie has his incredible season. The next year, 2017, there was the will he be suspended? Won't he be suspended? He's suspended. He's not suspended. He's going to be suspended. It's, you know, they're appealing it, et cetera. And then he missed six games and still almost had a thousand or still had a, a relatively productive season as far as his standards are concerned. In 2018, normal off season, back to normal, everything leads the league in rushing. 2019 holds out, goes to combo, worst year of his NFL career. Last year, obviously, it was a, a very weird year for the entire world. He himself tested positive for COVID. You can debate, um, obviously, how much that may or may not have impacted him personally. Um, and then, obviously, the offense completely falling apart around him and Dak Prescott and everything. And so uh, this has been a normal offseason. And so in that context, it's it's worth believing in him, at least from a fantasy lens. But I do think, at least in in my circles, I think there are a lot of people who doubt him, which is why I think there's a lot of value to be had there. Absolutely. Well, we'll turn back to the passing game then. We'll start at the top with Amari Cooper. And through four weeks while Dak was healthy, Cooper led the NFL in fantasy points, 85 and a half, uh, 21.3 per game. He was crushing it. He also led the NFL in targets, 51 targets for those first four weeks, nearly 13 per game. It was an insane pace. Uh, C.D. Lamb was the next closest, but that was with a meager 28 total looks. Do you think this kind of true alpha wide receiver one workload continues in 2021 kind of like that Jordy Nelson Devonte Adams for for Mike McCarthy do you think we see that again or is that gap going to start closing between Amari and the rest of the team I think the gap closes specifically between Amari and CD I think that you know CD Lamb is is so special and if there has been a superstar of camp um it's it's CD Lamb a friend of mine David Hellman who covers the Cowboys for DallasCowboys.com uh, back during the, the Dez Bryant days, anytime Dez would do something freakish, he would call it a Dez thing. You know, there were things that only Dez could do. And CD is in that that neck of the woods um, where he just does these things that, you know, you, you can't really explain. And he's done them against Trayvon Diggs, who's the Cowboys' best corner. Granted, the Cowboys' best corner, so make of that what you will. Um, but I really think this is the year of CD Lamb. I really think he would have outshined Justin Jefferson last year with a full season of Dak Prescott. I mean, this guy, is, is all, he had a really great rookie season, and he didn't even play five games with Dak Prescott, who was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And so Amari's such a hard guy to figure out, and, and I say that, with frustration because I own a share of Amari in the dynasty league. Um, but I also have CD there. So I've hedged myself nicely um, just because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, it, you know, a couple of years ago, 
he, he would mis- you mysteriously disappear in road games. You know, he he's had injury issues where you don't quite know what's going on. He's a really quiet guy. So it's, it's so difficult to figure out, you know, what you're going to get there. He is a true home run because when he's on, he's on. He's the only player in Dallas Cowboys history uh, wide receiver who has had multiple 200 yard receiving games. And he accomplished that in like his first 12 games of the team. Um, so, I mean, he is and can be absolutely amazing, but I mean, this is a really interesting year for the Cowboys. Michael Gallup is entering a contract year, um, and they can get out of the Amari Cooper contract and only eat $6 million off the salary cap in 2022. So there is a world where, you know, in six or seven months, the Cowboys decide we're done with Amari. We'll cut him. We'll eat the $6 million bucks. We'll pair C.D. Lamb with Michael Gallup for the foreseeable future as opposed to Amari Cooper. Um, and so in that sense, I could see them, you know, not shying away from Amari Cooper, but I could just see things naturally leaning more towards C.D. Lamb being the star of this offense from a wide receiver perspective. Really intriguing that C.D. Lamb could be the star over Amari, who, again, was leading the NFL in fantasy points before uh, Dak went down. What about his ankle? Are you concerned at all for the ankle surgery he had? Like He hasn't been practicing they're saying that we shouldn't be too concerned. Are you buying that or are you nervous? I'm a little nervous because of the way things have always been with him. Not nervous in a, you know, smash the glass. This is an emergency type of thing, but it's always been, I don't want to say there's always been something, but it, it's always been weird with Amari, especially from an injury standpoint. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't at minicamp and, or he was, but, you know, it was very limited, obviously, with this. And there were murmurs then that he was going to start camp on the pup list, which is where he currently is. And, you know, I, I, there's logic to them keeping him on ice. You know, they don't need to see Amari Cooper running routes in, in late July. You know I mean? The Cowboys know what they have in him. And so um, it makes sense that they could just be being smart about this, but th- there's just, it's, it's such a unique situation that I just, I don't give it my whole full natural, you know, unmitigated trust. I, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit weary of that just because that's, that's always kind of been the story with him is ever since he became a cowboy, he's been remarkable and it's been, you know, in, in, incredibly worth it. Um, but there's, there's just a different sense of trust, different sense of confidence in CD lamb and Michael Gallup, even just because you've never really Michael Gallup uh, for anyone that didn't see literally flipped over, uh, fence that borders the practice field at the Cowboys practice facility. Uh, he was, you know, his running, his momentum carried him, did a front flip and landed awkwardly on his ankle. And he did miss a practice with a tweaked ankle, but he has already been back. And so it's just, it's a little bit more normal with, with Michael Gallup than it is, it has ever has been with Amari Cooper. So I'm not worried or panicked or nervous. I'm just, it, this has always been different. And I think I'm just cognizant of that. Intriguing there. So what do you think of his, over under then 1175 and a half and seven and a half TDs. You going over, you going under. I'll take the under on yards just because I don't think that, again, I, I think the opportunity will be different for the team, you know, just based on the, the way they're constructed overall. But I do think I'll, I'll take the over on touchdowns. I can see, especially with 17 games, I mean, you know, a touchdown every other game is, is very conceivable, very doable for Amari Cooper. But I do think they'll be one of the league's better offenses, but they just, it might not be the stupid fantasy numbers that we saw early on last season. Absolutely. And I think we already know the answer to what you're going to say for this one with CeeDee Lamb based on how you answered a lot of that Amari Cooper one. Sophomore ascension or regression for this guy. He was the wide receiver 12, so literally a wide receiver one in fantasy with 16.3 fantasy points per game, even though he had only seen 28 targets over the beginning of the season. And you just suggested the star of camp potentially, the the next Dez, according to your, your colleagues. What's going on with CeeDee Lamb and what are your expectations for this guy? He's just really special, and he, he really hasn't, I, I don't think, like even fully come into his NFL physical form. And so, I mean, I think he'll only continue to be become more special. Um, and, and he's just, you know, he's he's just different. I mean, there are, there are different wide receivers. There are guys who are a different breed. Dez was like that, and there are a lot of guys like that in the NFL now. Um, and, and it, you know, I think we all worried that maybe – uh, maybe things wouldn't be as special, but I think a lot of that was just, you know, it's hard to see special with CD when Andy Dalton's throwing to him. It's hard to see special with Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci, uh, but we've been reminded of just how special he is. And I think the, the like kind of sticker shock of it all has worn off, you know, and, and you know, he was this new hot, commodity toy last year and he was still really exciting but the fact that he has kind of kept that hype up has been the most impressive thing um he he doesn't have any situations that are you know weird he doesn't have anything he's really ever in the news for he's just an incredible wide receiver and so um he's he's quickly developing into a really large fan favorite and, and one of the next faces of the cowboys in terms of this current generation i love it in terms of his game, I was kind of surprised to learn he ran, I believe it was 93% of his routes out of the slot. And that actually 
ended up keeping him off the field to about about 65 70% you know total snap share because he was so limited in the slot role do you think he'll remain just kind of pigeonholed in there is he evolving his role throughout camp or how are you seeing that play out I think that's the most exciting thing about him. Kellen Moore, uh, I think it was the first time that he spoke at camp, uh, mentioned that the reason for that was it was a condensed off season. They obviously didn't have, you know, a lot of, you know, instruction time, a lot of education time. And so for CD, that was just the easiest thing also to help, you know, sort of mitigate his responsibilities and keep him off the field in pressure situations where they did run 12 personnel or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's been, you know, there, People talk so much about how the Buccaneers are returning all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. Um, while you have to apply some qualifiers here, the Cowboys are returning all intended 11 offensive starters from last year. Lyle mm-hmm. Collins didn't start at right tackle in week one. He missed the whole season. But um, in, in terms of their 11 personnel, you know, personnel, the Cowboys are returning all 11 that we thought was going to be on the field, at least at this time last year. They're returning Kellen Moore. They're returning their head coach. I mean, there is nothing but consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And so when you factor that in, along with the the fact that, you know, CD had an actual offseason to learn the playbook, to learn everything, to learn the full route tree. I mean, I don't, I can't envision a world where CD Lamb ever comes off the field. I, I would never want that. I, I love Michael Gallup, but I'd rather pull Michael Gallup off the field because CD has the potential to break one off every time he's on the field. I love to hear. I, I imagine where you're going to lean for his line. We got 10, 15 and a half and six and a half TDs. Are you hammering the over on both of them based on what you're seeing? Yeah, this is, I mean, I have never been more confident in a in an over under in, in recent memory. I mean, I, I do think that this is, you know, I think that people have forgotten that CD Lamb exists, uh, you know, we obviously live in Cowboys land, but we pay attention to national storylines. And I, Justin Jefferson was awesome last year. And I think people are really hyped about the Titans now. And AJ Brown's kind of seen some a, a surge in hype and hysteria with Julio Jones opposite of him now. And they're all great wide receivers. But I, I just really believe that CD Lamb is, I mean, he's different. And I think of at least of those two comparisons and, you know, what Justin Jefferson has to offer and AJ Brown, CD has the better quarterback. CD has, you know, two incredible options opposite of him. He has great tight ends. He has, uh, an offensive coordinator that we all believe in and, and is a little bit of a visionary and, and somebody that can kind of be more creative than others. And so the, the recipe is there. And, and we started to see that kind of take hold right before Dak Prescott got hurt last season. There was a little bit of an assimilation period. And so I think that the Cowboys are going to hit the ground running with him this season. I love it. I love to hear all that. And if he does get locked up, to, that's some pretty hefty praise with Jefferson and AJ Brown. And fantasy wise, those guys are going a full two rounds above CD Lamb right now. So if he ascends to that level, he would go down as one of the best values. And a lot of people are, he's starting to creep up into like late third, early fourth. And a lot of people are, oh no, that's too early for him. If he hits those types of numbers, those, those type of projections, that wouldn't be too soon. Uh, we could be seeing him going, you know, late first, early second next year, which would be wild. You've mentioned Michael Gallup a lot, kind of the third mouth here. Do you think he has enough of a mouth in this offense though? It's certainly, there's a plenty of aerial pie last year, but between, you know, those other two receivers, Lamb and Cooper, between Zeke and also the tight ends, Do you think there's going to be room for Gallup? How is he looking this year? I know you mentioned he's a free agent as well. Does that factor into how we see him play? What are your thoughts on this guy? You know, Michael Gallup is probably the best deep route runner on the Cowboys. Where CD excels is after the catch. Amari's great at at just route running in general. But um, Michael Gallup's so great at getting deep. And Dak Prescott's so great at throwing the deep ball. And that that connection might be the most elite weapon the Cowboys offense has overall. And and he really, he might have the best overall chemistry with Dak, which is obviously really important. Um, And and we've, we've just seen, we've seen some great and epic moments between Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. But I feel like the most, chemically related ones the, mo- the most chemistry based ones have been between Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup and I think we, we saw that too early on last season in Seattle and, and obviously against Atlanta and against Cleveland I mean there were a lot of moments um, and so you know it, it just it, I mean it fizzled out when Dak Prescott got hurt and so I can certainly see the argument that there are too many mouths to feed but uh, when you look at the state of the NFL I mean I if, if you do want to rank Michael Gallup as the third receiver in the offense which is fair from a fantasy perspective I'd still rather have Michael Gallup over uh, your secondary wide receiver in New Orleans in Philadelphia in Washington in you know New York I mean in Arizona I mean there's a lot of places that I'd rather have Michael Gallup I mean even right now I'd take Michael Gallup over any Saints wide receiver given the Michael Thomas situation and so right. um, he, he has a lot of value uh, relative to the overall fantasy landscape but I can certainly if, if I'm going to have a Cowboys wide receiver he's not the one I want I mean I want CD Lamb um, and then I, there's an argument I mean I think for the value you, you're going to have to you know ultimately pay 
you can make an argument for Michael Gallup because you're going to have to pay a lot to get Amari Cooper, but he might miss some time. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that, that a lot. I mean, especially in, in the best ball leagues where you don't have to actually pick out his blow up weeks. It sounds like if, if Dak's healthy, we might be seeing a lot of those blow up weeks happen with Michael Gallup with that deep chemistry. These guys have the last real offensive weapons we haven't touched upon here would be the tight ends. Uh, and you know, it, it seems kind of crazy, but Witten saw 21 and a half percent of Dak's targets in 2019. And that was, I mean, I don't even know how old Witten was at that point, some sort of corpse. Uh, and then we had Dalton Schultz last year. He trailed only Travis Kelsey and Logan Thomas in routes run from the tight end position. Didn't see a ton of targets, but still, you know, 14 and a half percent target share for Dalton Schultz. That's a, a fair amount of looks. I know you've come on here, as you mentioned, back to back to back years, and you always mention Blake Jarwin. Is this going to finally be the year? Did Dalton Schultz kind of emerge enough that it's just going to be an annoying headache? Or what are your thoughts of the tight end position? Yeah, uh, you know, Jason Witten, I think we talked about this last year, uh, took a lot of heat from Cowboys fans after 2019, especially because he'd come out of retirement. A lot of people didn't like the way that kind of unfolded. Um, and a lot of people thought that kind of fed to the problem within the Cowboys and kind of the, you know, um, you know, the, the, the little bit of entitlement that they can have with certain players, certain star players. Um, and people thought he was washed and he was washed in 2019. But I remember like in January, I tweeted um, his stat line from 2019 and Dalton Schultz is from this past year. And they were almost identical. Um, and so that was, and because, you know, the conversation all last year was, wow, Dalton Schultz really had an amazing year. You know, when you factor in the context that he wasn't anticipated to be the starter or whatever, but it was this moment of like, wow, maybe we were too harsh on Witten in 2019 because we're elevating this this Dalton Schultz here. Um, I I am a huge Blake Jarwin believer, and and I do think he's the more athletic tight end of he and Schultz. And he didn't start camp on the pup list, which is a huge victory for him coming off the torn ACL in week one. And he looks great. He, he is on a bit of a pitch count right now. Um, but but because of that, I mean, Dalton Schultz is a better blocker. And so when, when you kind of you know mix all that together, I think it's a headache. And, you know, I think this might be – there are headaches that aren't worth dealing with. Um, but, but this might be a headache where you're willing to take a shot because, I mean, as you know, tight end is if you don't have George Kittle, Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, maybe John U. Smith is here. Who knows? Um, you know, you're, you're just kind of up a Creek and this is a little bit better than that because I think you can rely on, on one of them to, to be really solid, to be really, maybe your your tight end five, your tight end six. But I think it's just so difficult to know who that's going to be week in and week out. I think they're, they're both worth stashing in dynasty leagues because, you know, Dalton Schultz is also entering a contract year. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to pay him next year just because the Cowboys don't really hand out second contracts unless they're to truly elite players. Um, so I could see him earning a really, you know, incredible opportunity next year somewhere else after free agency. But um, but I, I think they're both solid, but I think it is going to be, I don't even know if I would say a coin flip. I mean, you're talking about which of the two tight ends is going to be viable after Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Zeke Elliott, and Tony Pollard as options. And so um, it might not be worth dealing with. It might be worth a flyer if, i don't know maybe you believe like in dan arnold or something like that um you know if you're if you're really trying to, to throw darts or something but um they're both really good players it's just going to be so hard to know where this is going to go with them intriguing indeed last kind of overall picture question i have before we run you through the rapid fire hot seat is actually mike mccarthy and speaking of hot seats even though it's only year two there's already some rumblings that he might be on the hot seat do you think he deserves to be on the hot seat? Do you think he actually is on the hot seat? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I mean, obviously last year everybody dealt with COVID. And so it's, you know, you can't really use that. I hate to say use it as an excuse, but you can't use that as, as a data point. Um, I will, you know, he obviously lost his quarterback, lost his top tackles, lost his top linebacker and Leighton Vanderish, which is partly why the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons, Andrew Bill Cox. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of excuses you can kind of mount up. I, I hate to use these as excuses, but um, Mike McCarthy obviously was affiliated with the Green Bay Packers forever. Um, Ted Thompson passed away last year. Kevin Green passed away last year. The Cowboys had a, a tragedy happen to their team right before Thanksgiving. I mean, it was an awful football year, and and life is so much more important than football. But my my point with that is Mike McCarthy went through a lot uh, himself. You know, on top of moving and, and getting to a new place, and you know, I think you know and. Every time I say this, it sounds like I'm caping for Mike McCarthy, but people forget he he missed the entire he he sat out the entire 2019 season, and everybody saw the the, net, the NFL Network special. He built a, a you know front office in his yeah. barn, um, and you know however cheesy or weird you think that is, the guy did spend an entire year 
planning how he was going to do things when he got back to the NFL. And on like day six, I mean, that completely changed. And so I'm, I'm willing to understand some of that. Now, where Mike McCarthy doesn't help himself is he's had a little bit of hubris with things. And some of that might be from being out of touch with in-person media for so long, uh, not just missing the 2019 season, but then obviously all of the social distancing from last year, he hired Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator when that made no sense. And everybody questioned it, but you know, he wanted to do it. There was some hubris there. Um, he, you know, he has touted himself as somebody who's really deep and, and, you know, kind of, boiled in analytics. And I think that there are a lot of analytical principles to the things he does. But if you're saying that, you better be leading the league in, in these sort of things or else people are going to call you out for it. And that's kind of been his problem, I think, because he's spoken. Um, and and sometimes when you speak, you leave yourself a little bit vulnerable. Uh, you know, for example, you know, uh, the Cowboys dealt without Lyle Collins for all of last season at right tackle. And they have one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the NFL, and Zach Martin, who played tackle in college. And so people said early on, Hey, have you thought about, you know, kicking Zach Martin out from right guard to tackle? Uh, maybe seeing if that stabilizes things. And he said that day in, in his press conference, it was really early in the season. This, you know, th- he actually said this isn't fantasy football. You know, you can't just you can't move people around like that. And lo and behold, the next week, due to injuries, they had to put Zach Martin on a right tackle. And lo and behold, he was great. I mean, he was <laughs> awesome at it. Um, and so he he's just some people, you know, unfortunately end up with egg on their face, but he's kind of like, you know poked at the egg and spat at the egg sometimes. And so um, I, I think he deserves a lot of benefit of the doubt, but he's gone a, a little bit out of his way to kind of ruin that for people. And so Cowboys fans are truly split. I, I find myself in the camp that, you know, I would love to see him with a full year of Dak Prescott. I, I want to see a full year of health along the offensive line. Um, you know, because I, I don't, you know, one thing I've never understood this offseason is where all this hype for the Washington football team came from. I mean, they yes, they won the NFC East, but they, they beat the Cowboys for it by one game with all of the disasters the Cowboys had. And that was because they swept the Cowboys. Um, So, you know, two of their wins were against this incredibly broken Cowboys team. So I'm definitely excited to see, you know, how things work in year two. I think that, you know, to define hot seat, I think it it would have to be a disaster. I mean, you know, everybody would have to be healthy. There would have to be more rumblings of internal strife. I just, I really have trouble seeing a world where he is not the Cowboys head coach in 2022. Intriguing indeed. And do you think this offense, like, I mean, clearly, as we said, 32.8 points per game to start the year when they had Dak, do you think they just pick up where they left off? Do you see that changing at all in year two? Do you think they'll, they'll evolve in any different ways or just continue to be a points factory like last year? You know, I think that that's, you know, that kind of goes back to the first two games. I mean, they're they're playing the Buccaneers who have, you know, on arguably the best defense in the NFL. They're certainly in that conversation. Um, and there'll be a lot of emotions that night. And so I could see them scoring like 17, 20 points that, that night. And then, you know, that's a long week when you go from the first Thursday to the next Sunday. Mm. Um, you know, that's a lot of talk radio and, and national shows and people saying like, where's this offense, you know, that we saw in hard knocks and everything. And people kind of coming down on them. And then, you know, they've got to go play Joey Bosa in, in the Los Angeles Chargers. And so I could see I could see it being a bumpy start. And, and you know, that you hear all, if they were to start off 0-1, you hear all the every year the teams that start off 0-2, they don't make the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I could see it being a bumpy start. But their schedule is so favorable. I, I just, I you know, not just from a potential to win standpoint, but from a, a fantasy standpoint. So I think that they will stabilize. I think it could be a rough beginning, um, but but – Overall, I think this is a, an offensive group that you want to bet on from a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. And speaking on who to bet on whatnot, we're going to bring in the the no huddle where you just name whatever comes to mind, rapid fire answers, trying out a new segment here. Shouldn't take more than a couple minutes. You down for that, RJ? I'm always down. You know that. And then any questions you have, of course, at the end for uh, Dynasty Keeper, any of that good stuff, I will answer every single one you got. Um, but let's do it. Who's going to be the team's leading rusher and what's his yardage going to be? Zeke Elliott. 1,159 yards. Leading receiver in yardage. CeeDee Lamb, 1,200, over over 1,200, easy. Love it. Who's going to be the biggest offensive disappointment on the Cowboys? Oh, Amari uh, Cooper, because he won't be, like, amazing, and, and people have that expectation for him. Who do you think is the biggest breakout or surprise player on this offense? Maybe Blake Jarwin, because people did forget about him, and I could see him being the team's top tight end and really kind of exploding. What's the biggest strengths of the Cowboys right now? That wide receiver group, I mean, certainly, I mean, they've, they've honestly, they've arguably got the best room of wide receivers in the NFL. What do you think their biggest weakness is as a team? Oh, secondary by far. Like they have the worst secondary in the NFL easily. 
Do you, we already covered this one. Do you play fantasy? The next question, though, are you any good at it? it so like <laughs> uh, we started my league in college. Uh, my dad's in it. My cousin's in it. My, my best friends. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. We have a traveling trophy. We have all the kind of cliches. Um, I won it in 2012 and 2014, uh, but I haven't won it since then. There wow. are there are four of us with two titles and I really want to be the first to three. Um, and so um, it's the league has seen a lot of evolution and fun as, as technology's grown and the fantasy apps have gotten better and stuff. But uh, there's a lot of guys who listen to a lot of podcasts now and stuff and guys who listen to mine and places where I'm at, which is getting annoying if I'm being honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually, we're our fantasy, like are very similar in the same exact situation. There's nobody with three in my league. Five of us now have two. I haven't won. I've been to like six straight finals and haven't won it since 2014, similar to you. So I, I know the exact pain. Let's make this the year we both turn it around and uh, take for these sure. leagues down for sure. Uh, what do you think the Cowboys record ends up being and where they rank in the conference? 11 and six. And in the conference, um, I think they're the four seed, um, maybe the three seed, just depending on how things shake out elsewhere. Uh, but I think they easily win the NFC East. They host a playoff game, but there's no way they're challenging for the, the, the only buy now that there's only one. Love it. And this team will win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys win the Super Bowl when what happens? Mm. Um, I mean, it could be this year when, when their defense wins them some games. I mean, they've, they've, you know, we've said so much, like if this defense can just be average, this team can be really good. And that's true. But when this defense can take a step beyond average, when this defense can be the reason you win some games, um, you know, the first four games last year, the Cowboys started two drives on the positive side of the 50 yard line. And um, the two were because of an interception in week one, and the second was because of the watermelon kick that they had against the Atlanta Falcons. And so and and that's like that's part of why I'm I'm down on them a little bit from a fantasy angle, because every drive in those that first month was having to go 75, yeah. 80, <laughs> 76 yards. And so if if their defense can shorten the field, that'd be a game changer. Awesome. And why don't you just remind our listeners where they can find you, your work, anything else you'd like to promote? Blog of the boys.com. Uh, we believe you're home for the best Dallas Cowboys coverage on the internet. Uh, we have a podcast network. We have a show that goes out every single day, different people, different voices. Uh, we're available on all major podcast platforms. Our YouTube channel, we've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff this offseason. We have a lot of live shows planned for the season. Just search for Blog on the Boys. I'm on Twitter at RJO Cho. That's kind of a hub uh, for everything I do and everywhere I, I join. And so, um, yeah, really excited. The football's here. Hard Knocks is here. Uh, my life is now dominated by this. And uh, my dog likes to spend a lot of time on the recliner in my office. Office, so he um he gets annoying sometimes when uh when the microphone's on unfortunately i, I love it and do you have some fancy questions you said you have a creeper question or two for me so uh, my my league of record um i'm you know it's a it's a one keeper league we get to keep one player who was on our roster last year you know we, we don't have the most unique rules in the nfl or in, in fantasy world yeah. um and so um but the, the only rule within that is the 10 players who were kept last year can't be kept by anybody so my top keeper options um that I, and i do have the number one overall pick and i nice. probably camara's there he's eligible uh mccaffrey's there so it's kind of a two-part question so my top two keeper options are David Montgomery and Daryl Henderson. Everybody else is not really worth it. So A, who should I keep between the two? And where should I go with the number one overall pick? And then uh, my third question is, what should I? What strategy should I have for when it comes back to me with picks two and three? Intriguing. Okay. And is there? there's no penalty for who you keep? You just kind of no. keep? Okay. Yeah, we, we all get to keep somebody who was on our roster when last season ended. The only rule being we none of us can keep any player who was kept yeah, last year. No repeats. Okay. Right. David Montgomery is your best option. Oh, man, it must not have been that great of a year for you. Huh? <laughs> uh, it was not. And, I mean, I was really strongly leaning in that direction before Cam Akers got hurt. And so, um, you know, now that's why Daryl Henderson has been floating in my mind as something. But, I mean, if you're curious, my, my full roster, uh, I've got Justin Herbert. It's a standard league. Um, mm. so not necessarily worth, you know, it's four pass or four points for passing touchdown. I do have Austin Eckler. So maybe you feel like I should go that direction. I do have Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen. Um, I kept Amari last year. Oh, I do have JK Dobbins. I might, I might've, you know, been wrong here on my best option. So yeah, you got some good players here. Absolutely. So, um, Eckler, <laughs> Eckler, Montgomery, Tyreek, Thielen, uh, JK, or Daryl Henderson is kind of who I'm leaning towards keeping. And then obviously I have the number one overall pick. Yeah, I think so. Number one, you're going to go McCaffrey, in my opinion. Um, even though he was hurt last year, it sucked. I it was one of those years I had the first overall pick in like three out of five leagues. I'm like, this is finally it. I never get the first pick, and then of course McCaffrey gets hurt. Like it was one of those types of things. Right. 
But even in having him, the games he played, he still was putting up over 30 points per game. He still averaged over 30 points per game. He's the cheat code. Like, in my opinion, he's the guy. You just got to bank on him staying healthy. They've already even said, we're not going to reduce his load because of the injury. It was a fluke thing. We're, we're, we're keeping this guy in his horse role. So I go McCaffrey there. I don't know if that changes your keeper situation. To me, it's got to be between Eckler and Hill, though. It's not any of the other guys. Those okay. are both first-round guys right now. And if there's it's one thing if you did them and you had to lose a first rounder, but if there's no penalty, you just get to keep your best player. It's one of those two. I is it PPR or, or half or you said standard? It is standard. Although we have explored half point PPR before, uh, that might be something we institute for this league or this I year. I'd recommend it. It's a good balance. I think PPR is too much. I think standards too boring. I love half PPR or at least half uh, half first downs. Another rule I, I can try when you're trying to convince people the value of it. I love half first down leagues, by the way, just throwing that out there. Uh, but between those guys, I Hill versus to me, I almost I, I like bell cows a little bit more, but if it's only standard, I would probably go with Tyree Kill. You're getting a huge touchdown plays, you're getting tons of yardage, it's yardage TDs. I think it's Hill and McCaffrey. You have arguably the top two at both those positions, and it just starts you out so well. I would probably do that. Eckler, if you do move to more of a half PPR, especially full PPR, could be a little more intriguing. But I like the idea of McCaffrey, Tyree Kill. You got an elite option at both positions to start your draft. Like you're you're looking pretty from there. And then when it comes around to you, that's when you could look at like maybe Darren Waller falls. And now you have elite across the board. Um, maybe you look at I, I, I do like the, you know, the Justin Jeffersons and that receiver crew, AJ Browns. Potentially, if you want to make your reach on CD Lamb, I doubt he's going to make it back to you. So you might have to get him there, uh, given how high you are on him. Uh, I, I like those guys a bit more than the running backs when you get to that point, typically. I do like Dobbins, though, who you mentioned, late late second, early third uh, in that range. But I like I typically like Waller or those receivers that are hanging around in that area. And that's where I'm going to go. Uh, you've sold me. Um, I, I mean, Tyreek's great to have. That's my first season having any share of him. Um, and so I, and I, you know, I've got, like I said, Amari and CD in my dynasty leader of records. So I don't want to have, I don't want to sp- like, you know, be fully built on CD or Amari yeah. either way. Um, so I like the Tyreek McCaffrey plan. I like Darren Waller if he falls. Um, and I like Darren Waller if he falls because I don't want to have Tyreek and Kelsey. I don't, you know, I, I hate situations like that where you got to depend on, on one offense to be elite every single week. Um, so I feel confident. I feel ready. Um, I feel excited. And, and I feel, you know, I feel like I've gone and seen the specialist and uh, I'm like, I'm ready for my draft now. Well, hey, you, you I, I messaged you enough about Cowboy stuff. So as the draft approaches, you know, you want to run through a mock together or you, you let me know how it's going. Any questions you have as the draft gets here, I would love to help you any way I can, RJ. But thank you, you might, so much for coming on, as always. It's always a pleasure talking ball with you. I'll have you on standby. I'll blow you up with screenshots of what we're looking at uh, that night, and um, we'll have a lot of fun. But no, I always appreciate you having me. Sorry about the dog. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know what what it is? Is Bear is just, There's nothing to like about the Bears, and he's pissed that we named him that. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so, um, but he, he likes to be on the shows and he's appreciative as well. But I, I thanks a lot. Uh, I have a lot of thanks for you, dude. Uh, really looking forward to a fun season. Really happy that football's back. Absolutely. Thanks again. Make sure you guys check out blogging the boys for all your coverage needs and check out at RJ Ochoa, O-C-H-O-A, if you want to connect with him. Thanks again, RJ. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks a lot, man. You too. Thank you. All righty, guys. Let me get on over to your questions. Uh, thanks again to RJ. What a great show. He is always fantastic. One of my favorite. Brandon, good to see you, man. Uh, back with more questions, and I love to hear it. So hopefully you're still here, my brother. Uh, either way, you can catch the replay. Uh, but thanks again to everybody else out there. If you don't mind giving this a thumbs up, regardless of where you're at, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, shares, retweets, all that good stuff. Uh, so greatly appreciated, whether you're live or catching the replay here. Uh, let's get to you, Brandon, though. Great to see you again, brother. I love the repeat fans here. Uh, Galladay, Higgins, or Chase? Which would you pick? To me, it comes down to Higgins or Chase. I am all in on this Bengals offense. Joe Burrow was leading the league in pass attempts uh, before he got hurt. I think there's more than enough volume to sustain multiple guys in this offense. It, it Now the question becomes, which one? I guess let's rule out Galladay for me. I just don't like Daniel Jones, and all the reports from camp so far are back that. They're all saying he looks horrible. There is no another year jump. He's sailing it over Galladay's head. They haven't been able to get on the same page. There's been nothing suggesting that's a good report. Now, it is early. You don't want to overreact to training camp news. I mean, there was news that Patrick Mahomes was throwing interceptions a couple seasons ago, and we all saw how that turned out. We certainly didn't react to that news. But uh, still, I just never have liked Daniel Jones, so I'm buying the, the news that he's kind of sucking. So if I'm going in on Higgins or Chase, I'm going in this Bengals attack. I like Chase. 
I mean, it's the guy that played with Joe Burrow and outproduced Justin Jefferson, who just set records as a rookie. So there's already the familiarity. You don't have to worry about a rapport, building that natural you know, tendency out of how's this guy play. You got a guy that's dominated above a guy that just set records as a rookie entering an offense that should be the happiest in the league. They should have probably gone tackle and yet they still passed up on it because Joey B was banging the drum so hard to get his guy because they believe so much in what he brings to the table. There's nothing Chase can't do. And now Higgins, I, I do love, they're talking about how more explosive he looks, that long body, great in the red zone, great deep. But Chase is a bit more complete, in my opinion, in terms of after the catch ability, uh, moving him all over the place. You, you got Higgins more of the outside boundaries, and he does a great job with it. And there's just a more alpha to Chase's game than there is to Higgins. So I like him the most. There's obviously the concern of a rookie, and, and we haven't seen him do it yet. I love him, though. I absolutely love Jamar Chase. So he's my favorite of these three, but I would rank them Chase, then Higgins, then Galladay. Uh, Brandon, any chance you could do a 10 team half PPR redraft mock draft on stream? Absolutely. I actually, uh, I'll start debuting them soon. When we get closer to draft season, I do about one a day. I call them the daily draft wizards where I, sometimes fans will actually come on and like, j like we just had RJ will talk through the draft with me. Other times I just do it. And I talk through what I would do. It depends on your perspective. But like I said, you know, I, for people that are active and engaged and like to come for all our content, I'd love to at least pay it forward and get, get some mock drafts in for you. So, yes, I absolutely, Brandon, would do a draft for you. Let me know what your position is, the settings, all that good stuff, and I'll be sure. Good to see you again, Dylan. Appreciate everything, man. Appreciate your testimonials, all that good stuff. Great to see you, man. Uh, just curious to see how you draft. Absolutely. Noah is a uh, buddy over there for RJ. Dak will be comeback player of the year. I think absolutely. I think it's a great bet. Right there. Uh, you can tell his dog hates the Cowboys. Yeah, he probably hates them, as RJ was saying there, the name being named the Bears after that. Also a huge Cowboys fan. Well, let us know what you thought of RJ, uh, what you think of his stuff. I think blogging the boys is awesome content. I think RJ in particular is awesome. Wolf, what's going on? Greg, good to see you. Love the, the Wolf Man dude just beasts fire content over on. Uh love it, Greg. Thank you so much for your kind words, man. Uh over on both kinds of uh easily with 17 games. I agree. I actually liked all the overs. For the Cowboys, I thought Zeke's rushing total would have been the, the second lowest of his career. And now he gets 17 games. Give me that. I thought the yardage, Amari Cooper, if he's not fully healthy, that might be a tough one to hit, um, especially if CeeDee Lamb's looking as good as he is. But I like all those overs. And I, I know he said, RJ said down on Dak, and that over he thinks the defense is going to be a lot better, and, and that's going to lead them to a lot of chucking. Let's believe it when I see it with six rookies. Like, Is that really going to overhaul everything? I don't know. I'm not sure 100% by that. We'll see. Uh What's going on, Wolfpack? What's going on, Muhammad? Great to see you. Coincidentally, Wolfpack is one of my fantasy teams for years. Cheers. It's a great badass name. Wrong thing has to normally happen. However, play callers and QBs make proactive decisions uh, when they're good enough, like Cousins versus Peyton Manning. Manning was doing it, making proactive decisions to pass. Zimmer doesn't let Cousins do that. That's true. Uh, so maybe we'll see that with uh, Dak. Uh, who knows if he's in there. Uh, do we expect less fantasy output due to better D in Dallas? That's what he was saying. Yep. Uh, because they, they won't have as many uh, catch-up points to get there, Mohammed. Um, YouTube has better sound feed for your information. Oh, that's good to know, Forrest. I appreciate that. Where else? Uh, if you're still here, where where else were you tuned in? Uh, so just so I can know uh, to, to check that out. I appreciate it. Gibson, my boy. Gibson's your boy. I absolutely love Gibson this year, too. Uh, 100%. All in on Gibson. There's, there's no doubt about that, Greg. Uh, I, I've There's only one Christian McCaffrey, but Scott Turner – uh, you know, North Turner's son was there when they used McCaffrey the right way. And they drafted this guy, a converted wide receiver, and they're talking about elevating his game and how he's taking it to another step. Like, is that going to mean him a McCaffrey style? You 25 touches. We saw how good he was on his limited touches. Imagine. Oh, it'd be awesome. Um, I don't know. The rush of 20 yards or more for Zeke is bothersome. It, it was. It was low on the explosive runs. Uh, but maybe that's why he lost so much weight. Maybe, as they said, he is looking faster in camp. We'll find out. The dynamics of Lamb, Gallup, and Mari kind of eliminates my offensive line worries because it is impossible to clog the box. Uh, so even without those explosive runs, like you can't clog the box against Zeke. you got to have some touchdown opportunities. As they said, they might be tentative to use Dak at the goal line now. Maybe more you know, touchdown opportunities. I really think that Zeke could score 15 touchdowns. Even if they eat away at his touches a little bit with Pollard, like I think he's going to be such a big touchdown scorer. I love going him fifth, fourth, fifth overall. Um, I'm all about it. Diggs' hand stretches out well at the climax of play. I know he skeptically looked at the CB position, but he reminds me a lot of younger. I, I like Diggs too. I'm with you. Aggressive. 
uh, whatnot. Wait, what's the money? Uh, is that even money all you got to? Uh, I don't know what your question is, Forrest, but I'd love to help answer it. I'm not finding the question much there, though. Uh, Do's dodge injury. Where do I make that bet? Uh, is that uh, so? Oh, oh, you're talking about the money lines. I probably probably out CD Lamb is my guess, um, Forrest. And that was all on DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings playbook is where I got all those lines right there. Uh, Cowboys win the Super Bowl when Jerry Jones is kind of doing filling in the blank there uh, for him. Yeah, I can't necessarily disagree with you there. Keep Austin Eckler, two stud running backs with McCaffrey, then hammer the receivers. Is Toon's advice for RJ? I said go Tyreek uh, just because, especially if it's a standard league, like that, having that receiver that the big plays, the touchdowns, Tyreek is just such a monster in that type of format. Uh, but I can't blame you. Austin Eckler just does lose a lot of value. It's hard to picture him not in a, a half PPR, full PPR league. But when you're not getting touchdowns, they already talked about taking away goal line work. Like you're looking at between the 20 yardage back for Austin Eckler. And in a standard league, that's just not nearly as valuable tunes, in my opinion. Give me the Tyreek action all day. Uh, still here. Oh, great to hear it, Brandon. Uh, love love that you're still here, man. Um, sweet. Oh, you have the second pick. Yeah, you're going to give me it. Would you take Henry over Cook with the additions of Julio? I'm with you there. Cook's injury history does worry me. I sided with the tank. Now, if it's full PPR, I lean a little differently. I'd probably go Dalvin just because of the significantly higher receiving upside for him. Uh, but half or standard league, I'm going Henry because exactly what you say, less stacked boxes, more scoring chances for a guy that just ran in 18 touchdowns. Like he could run in 25 this year. I am a little worried about losing Arthur Smith, one of the best run game coordinators in the NFL. Uh, very creative with his polls and stuff. I, I hope they continue to put that in place. Why would you abandon it? But it, it, that is a scheme that might be reliant on the, the the head guy, you know, implementing and executing everything. That worries me far more than anything else. Other than that, I think that offense should be impossible to stop as long as the the new play caller Todd Downing isn't just a complete and utter loser. Uh, but yeah, I, I I like Henry there. If it's full PPR, I might change my tune, but otherwise, I like Henry. Um, any chance Miles Sanders gets drafted in top three rounds? To me, he's he's falling right around early round four is where I see him. And an underdog best ball, I've seen him fall to round five. And I think that's about right. Like it, it, We come from Nick Seriati, the head coach, is, is very much a committee guy. I mean, the Frank Reich tree. We saw Frank Reich wouldn't unleash Jonathan Taylor until Jordan Wilkins went down. So th- this is the type of mind he's been molded under. It, and they, they go and get Gainwell. They go and sign Howard. Like I, I, I'm i a little worried about Sanders. As explosive as he is, as great as we've seen him play, we've it, I'm getting nervous he's going to be a between the 20s guy. We're going to get goal line work taken from Howard. Disgusting. We're going to see Kenneth Gainwell mix in for receiving work. And then you just get this guy that's, yeah, maybe the lead guy, but getting the least valuable touches. So I'm not too big into Sanders. Where he goes, I'd rather have either Rams receiver. Hell, I'd probably rather have the Bengals receivers. Uh, I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk, potentially. So I, I usually, where Sanders is going, I always have at least two horses, if not three. I've already had like Chris Carson, for example. Sanders goes in Chris Carson and David Montgomery range. If I'm going running back, I'm going to those guys, no doubt. So I'm either going receiver or I'm going running backs for Sanders. I'm just not in on Sanders this year. And a lot of sharp people think he's a great value at his price. So like I could be done, you know, that could be a bad call on my end because a lot of people I like are all in on this guy at his price. Stop for me though. I had picked two. Would you have Henry over – oh, yeah, I already did that one for you, Brendan. Um, what do you think about Foles possibly going to Indy? <laughs> you can see it, right? But his contract's so horrible. Like, they're really going to absorb that? Uh, but, man, <laughs> imagine he comes in, dominates, and then Wentz just becomes nothing again. Like, Foles just ultimately his daddy tunes. But it makes sense. Like, if it, other than it from a cap perspective, and I also think they have the, the most cap space in the league right now, are you really going to go in with Jacob Eason or get a guy that, that has played well under Reich, that has played well behind Carson Wentz, unfortunately, for us Pats fans? It makes sense, Tunes, other than a financial perspective, but for the, the Colts, that probably still makes sense too. With the second pick, you'll take Henry. Uh, in my second round, I was thinking about going Jefferson and Waller. That's, that's what I was talking about with uh, RJ, who has the first pick. I mean, McCaffrey, Waller, and Jefferson or whoever. I like that a lot. Uh, what position should I draft next after I have those three? So let's again, you can't, you have no idea how it's going to unfold. Like you can project and plan this, but let's say that is how it goes. Let's play this hypothetical, Brandon, because I like you. The one thing that makes me worried about that is the running backs do fall off big. 
So if there's a good, like let's say a Clyde Edwards Hilaire falls. Let's say uh, who else might fall? Najee Harris, for example. I've seen him fall the other round too. Um, there is that tier right there: Hilaire, Carson Harris. Um, I, I'm trying to think of who else I might lob into there. Running backs do drop off so hard that I might consider getting one of those guys uh, if they if they're there for you, Brandon. Um, but it's a ten teamer, if I'm not mistaken. What you said that I would definitely push you to get a Waller, get that edge at tight end because that's where you really gain your money in in small, shallower leagues like this. You're going to always be able to find replacement receivers on the waiver wire. So that's why I might go running back Waller. I might see if Harris, Gibson, Bar- you know, Barkley's not going to fall. You mix and Hilaire. Like if anyone in that tier falls, then you go for them. Maybe even Dobbin, Swift, Carson, Montgomery, if you like one of those guys. Um, that's where I'm leaning. Get, get a running back, get Waller and a 10 teamer. Get you know two horses locked in because it does drop off hard. Now, if not Jefferson, that whole crew of receivers is obviously studly. I can't blame you. So let's say you do go elite at each position like you're talking about. Rounds four, you know, maybe Miles Mike Davis falls to you. So you get one running back or like Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, like that tier of guys, Gaskin. You get one of your running backs there, Brandon. Uh, and I really like the receivers there. Like if Cup falls to you, if Ayuk falls to you, um, CD Lamb, who we've been raving about this whole podcast, if he falls to you, the either Bucks guy, hell, Julio Jones, Jamar Chase, like I, I might even go Henry and just load up and get three stud receivers, right, and then take a bunch of running backs late, and just hope one of the the late guys pans out Sermon later, right, uh, in round six, seven, go for those rookies and see which one you know, hits later. I really like those receivers at that four or five turn a whole lot more than the running backs. Like Davis and Gaskins are one of the ones I'd look at. But that's kind of why I like going running back, running back, tight end is because then you can get the, you know, a Rams guy in Jamar Chase, a Rams guy, Tyler Lockett, a Rams guy, Brandon Ayuk, uh, A.T. Higgins, whoever it might be. And you can get two good receivers, four or five, to go with the this two stable of horses and Waller that you go with early. Or you go two horses, Jefferson, and then two receivers, and don't go for the tight end edge. But I – in a 10-teamer especially, I really like in that. All righty, guys. Well, that's all we got for questions. Brandon, thanks so much for those great questions and everybody else who interacted throughout the show. You guys know if you're catching the replay, comment uh, what you think, any questions you have. I'd be happy to make sure I get to those. I know it might take a couple days. Things have been busy as all hell, and I love it. Uh, but this is the time of the year. We have a great schedule lined up this week. We have a Washington football team interview tomorrow with Grant Paulson. Won't be live. You'll have to catch the replay. Uh, we have the Seahawks coming on on Thursday. I got NFL Network's Marcus Grant coming in tomorrow night. We got a lot of great stuff, folks. So make sure if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell on notifications so you know what every time we're here live, I will answer all your questions every single time. And any likes, comments, shares are so greatly appreciated to help us continue to gain grow the pack as long as it's with people that aren't going to steal your title. <laughs> all righty, guys. Thank you so much. I'm the Wolf of Road Street. You can find me at Roto Street Wolf. All our contact, RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. Until next time, world full of fantasy sheep, be the wolf. See you guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.